0: This is Thank You Heartbreak.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott.
0: As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way.
1: This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi everyone, this is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 214 with Chris Maxwell. To skip this intro where I go on into my little musing, go to somewhere around the 5 minute and 45 second mark. Chris is actually the husband of our last guest, so episode 213 with Molly Wisegram. In that episode, we discuss his diagnosis with Guillain-Barre syndrome. I was fascinated or curious or wanted to get to the heart of that experience and the pain and the horror of being stripped down to your rawest element. I also was just so interested in hearing from, as Chris and I call it, a personality like his, a mindset really. I've spoken before in the introductions about how the episodes that I'm putting out now are from months prior. And why that's interesting to me and why I speak about it to you is that change happens right under our breath. We don't even really know if we can believe it that things are happening for us. That is the moment that we are evolving, and it's hard to catch ourselves in retrospect. Rarely are we given opportunities to hear ourselves back. I bring it up because I feel like it's a tier of vulnerability, is being able to own and embrace the person we were before and there and the person that we're becoming now. If we're not able to accept our past selves, how can we? feel comfortable with the fact that who we are now may not be enough for us, may not be enough for others, that life at some point might require or demand more from us. Hearing myself back, even though criticism flares up, it gives me great compassion thinking about who I was in that instant. When I was speaking with Chris, where I was at, it gives me compassion for the fact that I felt completely out of my element in my own life there, but I was still pursuing myself, pursuing my dreams, and that I was out of alignment then. And yet by continuing forth and not falling back, not waiting on myself, I was really able to forge ahead and before I knew it, embody the element or the energy that I was so desiring. I think what excited me so much, or I know what excited me so much in talking to Chris is that he has that energy to me that I really admire. Something my whole life, I just, I don't even know how to explain it really. He calls it, you know, the dreamer mentality, and there's a sense of dreaminess in him, but there's also this passion, this energy for getting up on your feet and being in pursuit of life. That even in our darkest moments, we know that something's here for us, that it's calling us to engage with it, to not retreat and become something else, but to become more of ourselves, to no matter what the conditions are, to continue to show up at our core as we are, not to let our circumstances bend our personality. It's such a gift, the idea of that. Speaking to someone like Chris, all my guests... But this was such a reminder in this episode. It's like they're really, really, really helping me grow in my mind because we can wait upon our own experiences to teach us the things. And therefore, our growth can be limited only to us. Or we could be reckless in a way because we want to learn faster. We want to go against things. We want to go against our values. But at a certain point in time, we settle into ourselves, we hope. And that's when we can really call upon other people, their stories, learning more about them, hearing them out, letting them challenge or help us confront the way that we think. Using people as those opportunities to help us grow through their experiences is everything. I think we need it in order to not have the burden always on us to figure it all out, we can learn so much by asking and listening and absorbing and believing in the perspective that other people share with us. So Chris is an example of someone that his perspective and way of thinking of relationships and the dark spots in our life, his perception of it was really an example of how I was able to up-level my own thinking is in ways I've become stunted and in ways I've become trapped, maybe in my mind. And you can wait on yourself to release yourself from that trap, but you can also call upon other people and wise up through them. So that's what this episode was for me. And thank you, of course, for being here and for spending your time with us.
0: I would say I'll try to speak up, but then it'll probably sound like I'm yelling
1: Yeah, as well. you don't want to yell wanna, at me.
0: I don't want to yell at you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you want to yell at me. I
0: have no reason to yell at you. So. Not yet.
1: All right, so uh, <laughs> how I start off is just asking you to introduce yourself to my audience.
0: Yeah, so my name's... Chris Maxwell, I live in Fort Pierre, South Dakota, the capital of South Dakota. And I am a husband to Molly Wisegram, father of four amazing little kiddos, Ben, Sam, Isaac, and Hannah. So we've got uh, amazing adventures going on right. all the time here and uh, own my own business, my own nonprofit management and management consulting firm and son and sibling to five. Wow. So grew up good in family. A- Big family, small town in South Dakota. I grew up in South Dakota as well. Lived out of South Dakota for a couple different places for a few years of my life along the way. And, but i spent a lot of my time here. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you always see a family for yourself, knowing that you wanted to be a husband and a father really?
0: Yeah. You know, uh, second oldest of those six kids and really blessed with amazing modeling. My parents were terrific examples of human beings. And, you know, I, it was always- Loving, solid, mm-hmm. uh, always there for us—kind of in their consistent. own game. consistent, Absol- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's like the biggest yeah.
1: thing that I think about how fortunate I am in the sense that I always thought that you know being a father was about being consistent, just because I saw my father do that. Yeah. It's really, not the case. It's almost more rare than anything.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think so much in this world is about that modeling and what we've seen or not seen, mm-hmm. and then the expectations that we start creating in the world from that. And we bring so much into every situation, right? We carry all of this into every situation. Yeah, but it's hard to remember that
1: other people don't carry the same thing. So therefore, they're not looking at things the same way. They're not looking for the same things. That's been like the biggest shock to me that, dude, not everyone thinks like you. you
0: Molly and I recently both did the Enneagram personality test. And we've done a lot of different personality tests along the way, but both recently did those. And She's kind of a perfectionist, precisionist kind of person. Mm -hmm. I'm a performer, achiever. And what we just don't realize so often is that it's like the love languages, right? Mm -hmm. We try to give love to others in our language Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of what their language is. And it's almost as simple as that most of the time.
1: With her though, it was really interesting. Like one of my favorite things about the book was when she talked about this self-imposed retreat that she had, like how she would retreat within and she realized that through dating you even that your personality enabled her to take a back seat. And I just, I feel like I've always been that way in my relationships, this big personality. And I don't want someone that's quiet and yet that's what's worked for me. What was the appeal for you of having this big personality not having someone that mirrored that?
0: What's interesting for me as well is because Molly and I have talked about that along the way. Also, the certainly as she wrote the book, I was the first editorial <laughs> step in the process of her reading it to me, us going through it together and talking about that. And we talked about her feelings with all of that, even as I was sick and as I was laying in a hospital bed and her recognizing the positives that were coming out of her having this chance to step forward mm. and step forward into the light and how it was uncomfortable as well.
1: Uh, Wait, real fast. When yeah. you heard this, did any part of you get nervous? No. Was it a relief? Like, thank God, she has something for herself within this.
0: Yeah. Well, that. So that's a whole. Um, when you go through something like I did and have the ego stripped away on so many levels and get to the point, honestly, that you're stripped down to the place at literally in many, like many baby. <laughs> literally like a baby people, you know, changing your diaper for you, which you turning know, you um,
1: to the side, like, even feeding you like,
0: nonstop, everything, everything, you know, you have one part of you are in the hands of everyone around you and having to let go of everything as vulnerable as you, as you can get. How
1: do you do it? Uh, Is it something that like, do you just have to do it? Or is it something that you're thinking about? Like, I, I can't imagine just being like bare naked in front of nurses and having them even just that, like, how do you let, yourself be okay
0: with it i suppose depends on who you are depends on your personality again kind of going back to that personality uh Mm -hmm. assessment or test on all of us for me i had to kind of let go and be relational about everything and look for connection with all those around me and for me positivity kind of being at the core of who i've always been and how i navigate the world just had to look for the positives, look for relationships, look for those little glimmers of success and hope and positive movement forward. And and I hung on to those. I mean, that's how I did it. I also have always been one that's not one to look back very much either. And just in the moment, trying to do the best you can do and want it to improve as you go forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I also I mean, I had the whole world show up for me. I I mean, the phrase, you don't know what you've got till it's gone, which I literally had that uh, (laughs) completely. Uh, But I think you can flip that on its head like anything. And you can say you don't know what you have till everyone shows up for you or everything that you would hope you could rely on shows up for you, your spouse, your family, your Mm -hmm. community, the list goes on. And Molly and I talked a lot about there's a tipping point in a trauma and recovery process. And those tipping points can either, you know, get the momentum going one direction or the momentum going another direction. And if you don't have these certain things, it's all about Mm -hmm. momentum. And you're you're constantly trying to kind of move two degrees forward and hoping not to have those things knock you back. I mean, it goes to your insurance that you have. Are you lucky enough to not get bed sores and things that are these little triggers that can cause that, that, that can cause it to go Go the wrong direction for you. Back to where we started though, I've recognized with Molly that you know we both do that for each other and that some of Molly's personality traits, you know, I take a back seat in places just like mm-hmm. she, she has to me. That's part of the walk, 17 years together now for us, or almost 17 years together. Mm-hmm. Part of that walk of like you're moving to have your lives intertwine, but how much are you allowing you or you to be or or as a couple? to have that separation that's needed. Molly's got a chapter in her book that's together but separate. Mm -hmm. And we really did walk that journey. It was together, but we were absolutely separate. And that separation, I think, allowed us to take a step back and say, what's the greatest possible for us individually and us together? And that's a gift. For us, at least, we had to look at this whole process as a gift. That's a gift we got that a lot of couples don't get.
1: What do you think your answer was beforehand?
0: Uh, Before I hand, I think the answer was probably, we're trying to be the best spouse friend to each other as we can be and mm-hmm. trying to be the best parents that we can be. But I think you can get stuck. I think we all get stuck no matter what relationship we're in. And, and that can be our uh, relationship with our spouse, but it also is with our parents or our siblings or the people we work with. And Knots can get tied, and sometimes it's hard to it's hard to cut open those knots and start fresh and start anew. And I think that's where you know things fall apart many times because we're not willing to take that step back, uh, release ourselves from the current situation, and mm. say, "How do we spiral up together? How, mm. how do we continue to grow together?" Instead of getting in this pendulum swing back and forth, of we're not really moving forward. We're just Swinging back and forth between one place, and that's where things get stagnant. That's where it gets stale.
1: Wow, what has been a stale point in your life, just across the board? Is there a, like, is it ever with work? Is it with your kids? With your friends?
0: Oh, uh, great question. Um, I think we all have little bits of those things that can happen all the time, and I'm a huge believer in the growth mindset and mm-hmm. kind of uh, learn, grow, you know, evolve, change, you know, rinse, repeat. Just keep working on it, and, and I'm one of those personalities that I'm constantly analyzing that, and I've been blessed to be in a career where I've had a lot of change, and mm-hmm. I've in fact sought out change and. The only things that have gotten stale there many times have been my mindsets Mm. and the way that I've approached things in that I've gotten stuck in, this is how I've always done it, continue to do things that didn't necessarily serve me, uh, whether it was how I was in relationships, how I... Led others within an organization we were a a part of. My approach to maybe clients or the projects we were working on and, and where I found those stale points were often where I was struggling, where things were broken or not moving forward.
1: I think that what's been interesting is that seeing that like maybe it wasn't that you were stale before on the way your approach and stuff it worked for a certain time and I think it's easy to get good at a certain level and think that you're successful because you've been trying to get that to that level for so long but I realize the hardest thing is like to realize no one's going to knock on your door and say hey like let's level up or whatever it is or try this new thing on or you've always come at everything from this angle why don't you look for another angle it's just interesting about how we can say we can I over identify. With things and beliefs and approaches in our lives and try to test other people, but not test ourselves enough in a way.
0: Well, I actually just heard a quote recently of, you know, uh, we judge others by their actions, ourselves, by our intentions. We do that so much in the world. And I think sometimes we also, we start seeing our current reality as the endpoint, as Mm -hmm. opposed to just a point on the journey. And I think Mm -hmm. most of the time we just stop raising our eyes to the horizon. We start you know, head down, getting through what's in front of us, using that the tools in the tool bag that we've kind of acquired, acquired time, on the way, yeah, and have gotten us to this point. And we grow up dreaming big about what's possible for our lives, careers, relationships, what we're dreaming about. And then we kind of slowly our eyes move down from the horizon and get closer and closer to that point that we're standing. And we just many times don't take the time to take a step back. You know, even we talk about relationships you stop dreaming together you stop thinking about what's possible you you're caught in the day-to-day the management of things and you're always going to have that right you're you know you're always going to have some things that are hard and working through the day-to-day things that are happening but if we don't have those dreams out in front of us we are going to feel stale we are going to feel stuck because we're not how do
1: people deal with that like so what do you guys do to keep you know the dream alive
0: we constantly, so so we've always been kind of dreamers about, okay, where do we want to travel to? Where do we want to be, you know, at this point in our lives? What do we want our careers to look like? What kind of work do we want to be doing? Molly and I have just, Always been those kind of people. And I think Molly and I have always both been kind of big dreamers about Mm -hmm. the life that we've wanted. We both, I know with Molly as well, blessed with parents that instilled kind of a dreaming mentality as well. You know, think big, get out in the arena. You know live life and and learn and grow and dust yourself off and get back up when it doesn't work and keep at it. and And we had parents that traveled with us, showed us new things, taught us to be critical thinkers. Mm. And I think that all just it sticks. And, mm. and we're privileged, blessed to have that in our lives. Yes. And so I think we did that separately without the the two of us being together. And it's merged into a wonderful partnership. But I also will say, kind of back to Molly's point of sometimes that together you have to give to grow together and become the best you can be together. And that's just absolutely at the truth of a wonderful relationship. That's what I believe. Uh, You have to give. You have to give. You have to give some, you have to be willing to give. I've always believed, you know, if you're both willing to give and want the other to be the best they can be, the other is going to let you be free enough to be Mm -hmm. the best that you can be. And so Mm -hmm. then you do get that together, but separate. And I think great relationships are always searching for it. And it's so easy to get stuck. There's a thousand ways that everyone can look at in all of their relationships and say, I got stuck here or I stopped growing there. But it's hard in the moment to have the right mindset
1: I remember reading some advice that said the best relationships are where someone treats it like they're still single, meaning that they make sure that they still have a life um, Mm -hmm. for themselves. I think that I hear a lot of people say that, you know, you're looking for someone that does the same hobbies. you know, some people, they go into things and they're looking for someone to do life with. And you get lost thinking that if we don't want to do everything together, who will we do it with? Or someone can be bored of us. And we, we ask someone to do everything with us. And though that's so exciting in the beginning, and I think it's so exciting to find someone that could possibly enjoy what we're doing, but I think what ends up happening is that somehow you wake up and you say that I need them so much, or I couldn't even see myself doing this thing that I love without that person. And that like, so became me with everything in past relationships, you know, like I couldn't go to the restaurants that I wanted to in New York until they were in town to go with me. Can you imagine how much life I was losing?
0: Oh, absolutely. And we only grow in relationships. We only grow if the other grows in many ways Mm. too, because we're walking this path together and and you can do it separately. But if you're not willing to stay connected at points along the way as well, you know, that's where you do grow apart. And the goal is to grow together. And that growing Mm. doesn't mean that it has to be, we do the exact same hobbies. It just means that we're both growing and we're both growing in the same direction for us at least. And, you know, what do we have figured out? I don't know. Uh, we have figured out that we're going to keep doing it together and that we're you know, committed to each other and, and love each other. And, and we've stumbled and fell down and stood back up. And I think that's probably as important as anything is how you stand back up after that stumble and yeah. Yeah, I
1: thought it was cool about when you guys, you know, one way of reconnecting over things when you kind of came to, and I do want to talk about I'm So like I'm hiding, you know, hiding what happened to you, but is that one way of connecting again was to talk about what you had both been experiencing individually because for so long, you weren't able to communicate. And I thought that was so interesting. It wasn't necessarily talking about the next dreams that you had for each other. It was really like cluing each other in about what you couldn't process together for the first time.
0: Yeah. You know, again, that strange together, but separate journey that you go on. We've talked about how trauma is a thousand points of separation and recovery is a thousand points of reconnection. It just has proven so true. And that You're slowly being pulled apart when trauma happens to you, whether it's the first hospital room, the diagnosis, the procedures, the fall into the ICU, the equipment that you're attached to, your inability to move and touch it. And those pieces keep moving forward. And then what happens, though, is, you know, I went through a very introspective, spiritual, really on my own journey, even though I had all these people around me taking care of me. When you can't move, when you can't communicate, Mm -hmm. when you're in your head much of your own time, it was this, you know, I had a month long of in some level of painkiller induced. Yeah. I mean, it it was crazy. And a reality bending experience of in dreams and out of dreams or reality combined with dreams. And so I went through that process. It was literally me facing great fears and conquering great challenges uh, uh, myself in my own dream. And at that same time, Molly is trying to keep our world together. She is, you know, with every ounce of her being trying to find control. And I have had to let go of all control. And so that point where we both were at was like exact opposite ends of the spectrum. And yet from the outside, you look at us and we're together going through this journey. So then you find that. worlds apart. It is worlds apart and I became the best possible person I could be through that. It was part of my journey that I was supposed to have and Molly is doing the same. And that's Mm -hmm. what's crazy is that we can either allow ourselves to grow back into that And be our best and our highest and our greatest that's possible. And there is when every doctor that I talk to at my one year, you know, one year checkup after I came home, when they all say to you that I'm glad to see that you and your spouse are still together. There's a lot of truth in what trauma does to relationships and that acute point that it brings the weight of relationship that we all carry, that when it brings it to that point, what happens? And so we started that journey back together, like at the moment you mentioned, starting to talk about what our experiences have been and where we're at. And we had our bumps through all of that as well. And and that's the thing you look at is, yes, we loved each other all the way through it, but there still were relationship challenge points, even in the midst of, her loving me so much for how I was battling through my challenges and me and loving the things her things that she so saw much. you do,
1: like she would pick up on like little things like how you would pay attention to people or something like that you were always clued in. It was cute just to see that like there are moments when she was witnessing you kind of coming back into yourself. And the moments that she chose to appreciate about you were just, it was just like, wow, this guy must have an energy normally around people that he makes people feel special somehow or seen. And it was, it was cool that of all the things that she loved witnessing in you was that you were doing that for other people, that you were engaging, you were someone that engaged people.
0: Well, I appreciated that she shared that in the book mm-hmm. as well. And it's crazy how going through a traumatic thing like we went through creates an outpouring of love that lifts you up in so much. And just even hearing those words right now, it just kind of warms my heart. And you also kind of just show up with what you got. And I'm glad that that's what showed up. For me, mm-hmm. in that moment, I'm glad that I didn't crumble and turn into something that wasn't me and that I went back to that. And, you really and don't
1: I remember getting like angry and hostile with nurses and stuff.
0: I only had a couple moments and they were surprises to be honest. I mean, they were oh, kind of moments wow. that kind of caught me off guard. You are in people's hands so much. And I'm such, I mean, I'm a, I am ai mentioned some of the personality assessment stuff. I'm such a relational, relationship-based kind of person. I think Molly even talks about it in the book. I am the person that will look at you as we're walking down the hall till you look up because I just want to make that eye contact. I yeah, want yeah. that energy. That's like me
1: on the streets of New York. Trust yeah, me, yeah. I understand. Oh, oh, yeah.
0: I'd be like saying hi, waving at people on the streets. Yes. Hey, how's your day going? How's yes. it? I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just, that's me. And Where does
1: it come from? Do you know?
0: I think there's something in my genetic code that drives it. I also think there's modeling. I mean, back to sharing. Do you think
1: that you were ever longing before in your life for connection? Because I think I was always this person, but the years that I went isolating myself and like becoming someone I never thought I could be made me realize how conversations would save me. And I knew that I had to bear the responsibility if it was that important to me to initiate the thing that I needed.
0: And I always have
1: gotten good responses. Like you see that it means something to someone for them to be talking. But for me, I feel like you have to be the person that can get people there. And so I long to be that person.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I think I always long for that connection, for that relationship. I mean, I think I have from as early as I can remember, wanted friendships, wanted that connection. I'm also, which seems crazy kind of can be a relatively private person and don't want to be vulnerable, which is a, a strange uh, dichotomy in, in personality in that I want to connect with people, but I'm a little nervous about how they're going to respond to me.
1: So you end up, you know, you want to connect. Yeah. And maybe you, yeah. you, or you're talking to someone, how do you see yourself at times hold back? Like what might you hold back from?
0: I might hold back how, and it's something something that is actually it's one of my strengths is that I got some pretty good situational awareness and that I mm-hmm. can understand how far to take it and quickly kind of read the room and know yeah. you know how somebody's going to respond to this or how somebody's going to respond to this.
1: You're a few and, steps ahead.
0: I, I, well, I, I, I am kind of feeling it out, and and there are points that will come out in there, and like I've got a little stronger opinion than I just shared, but right. for the sake of the conversation, the yes. sake of the situation. I don't want to just blow up this conversation because ultimately, when I walk away from the situation, whether I like the person or not, I want them to like me. I you want, want them, them to have, have
1: a or, good experience.
0: Yeah. Or, or whether I like the way they, they stand on something or their approach to something, I believe in the relationship more than I yeah, believe. Yeah, you know, I, know. Issue, I t- you know.
1: Trust me. I mean, I completely, completely hear you. And I went out with this guy recently and to my total surprise, we connected on just so many things, our beliefs, or even just our reaction to covid This whole last year, it was so wild for me because I'm so used to, I think it happens more in New York for some reason. Well, I know the reason, but anyway, (laughs) is that I find that I can adjust to a situation and a conversation. And I just know, I know that what the conversation is going to be. And if I was foolish and had to make it all about myself, I might interject right? With something. And I just realized it's not worth it. And I can go with it and and I can learn about what they feel or whatever, but it was so nice to meet someone. And I realized like, wow, in a sense, it's like I've been silenced. Like, wow, how nice it would be if I could have an opinion without it being such a threat to our relationship. Because I know how to have a relationship with you. I know that you're more than one thing, but you somehow, I guess, don't actually yeah. See, it just is crazy, but it's not even worth it to have that conversation with people. So it's it was a, just so nice to like, uh, to be able str- to be I vulnerable mean, in that sense.
0: It's a struggle that I think we have today in general, in that the more and more divided we get on mm-hmm. our political viewpoints and where we live and who we know and who we spend time with, and that we don't know the other very well. We don't spend the time to get to know just our neighbor that might see the world a little differently. And if we did get to know them, we might get to see the world a little differently. And, and, And it's hard because it's everything has become so charged. And the second that you expose that you're a little different, it is almost like the red flags are thrown up and you now need to step back away and go find somebody else who might agree with you. Which is
1: crazy because you don't want a small world. I feel like people that are different are actually looking for their world to be smaller. So it's crazy. It's like you end up being rejected by people that even though you're different, you would be able to tolerate and accept or see the value of having a different perspective. I mean, and it's also crazy. It's like, wait a second, you've, my whole life said I was different. This surprises you about me. That's part of my difference. Like
0: that I- I'm a huge believer in kind of this center place, the ability to find mm-hmm. compromise and movement forward, and believe that you build momentum. And it's you know it's even in my recovery process of you've got to find those common connection points. It's so easy to find those charged mm-hmm. separating points in the world, and most of the time there's paths forward, but they're maybe not the big political stance or different place that you stand, you know, 80% of the time we're the same And, and we're all connected in this similar place in the middle and we won't move forward if we don't find that connecting point, we'll simply swing on that pendulum back and forth and uh, love, hate, uh, bang against each other and swing back the other way and be stuck. That honestly can happen in regular life. It can happen in trauma and recovery, it's everywhere. So how are we finding connecting points where we can move forward positively as opposed to those couple trigger points that pull us apart?
1: What about the triggers though, early in dating? Someone is triggered and it's almost like, wow, if I wanted, I could really lean into this and create a whole codependency around this trigger. I think in the past, I would have seen a trigger and I would have been like, let's explore that. Like, oh my God, that's worth getting close to. And then I'll be valuable to this person if I can help them on the trigger, or whatever it is. And now I see triggers and I'm just almost like, I don't know if I want this to be my responsibility. Or I say to them, I'm like, this was really unsettling and unnatural for me. And I don't want to be in a dynamic where I'm up against this other side of you for no apparent reason. It's yeah. just been like crazy. Yeah
0: you know, the examples you just shared there, it makes me go back to that growth mindset idea. Mm -hmm. And frankly, you know, maybe at at a different point in your life, you were kind of in this growth mindset space. I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to see where this takes us, I want to see how this impacts me and what's possible with it. And I think we all as a people can fall into those confirmation biases that make us feel comfortable and right. warm. Right. And, and then once we get to certain points of how yeah. much do I want to explore that viewpoint? How much do I want yes. to be exposed to maybe my viewpoint in the world not being perfect or not just how I've kind of manufactured it to work for me? And it's hard to break down those walls once you've built them up over time right. as well. And so I just believe if we could get a lot more growth mindset, a lot more willingness to allow the universe to shape us and help us be the best we can be, a lot more connecting across divides. I'm a huge fan of Father Greg Boyle and his books, and he talks about the search for mutuality and kinship. that we are searching for or trying to find but struggle with because we're so comfortable with our confirmation biases and that mutuality and kinship is that place together where we don't see someone as the other we just see as each other in oh. that in that relationship and so mm. um, it's wow it's hard, I love that. I love it too. He does his work with gangs in LA and a wonderful story, a mentor from afar for me. And what he talks about is when you're serving, moving from serving to mutuality and kinship, and you always learn more from the other when you're willing to let go. And Mm. we just don't want to do that very much anymore in this world. And I relied on that a lot going through my trauma and recovery. You know, how can I let go? How can I try to find that mutuality and kinship in this process? You know, how can I build a better relationship with the nurses and the nurse aides and the therapists? And it's amazing what you find when you're willing to be vulnerable, be kind, connect with the other and not just be patient, not just be caregiver. I think that creates... Mm. Opportunity that isn't there otherwise, if everyone just sees himself as I'm the patient or I'm the caregiver as opposed to we're both in this place together, trying to be the best we can be in this moment that we're in.
1: Yeah, there's so much to say here actually, because last night I was at City MD, I have a fear of having my blood taken. And, you know, in the past, like these people have been really good, like, God, the way that they'll talk, we'll find something, you know, date, you know, anything. I'm like, you guys, I'm a host. Just give me a story. We can talk about something and it'll help me. This one guy was just unbelievable. They could find nothing to connect over the doctor. And he's just talking to me about what they're testing and all this stuff. And I'm like, you are freaking me out more than anything. I'm like, just talk to me about life, like not about your work. I was at another place today, again, getting nervous. And I was trying to just talk about her life and stuff, but it was just... Just like some people are just too professional for me. It's like in a moment where, you know, I am, I was getting Botox for the first time. Hey. And so never thought I would do something like that. Nervous of needles. And yeah. I just wish that she had realized that like my need for connection to make me feel better. And she would have given a little bit more and just hung that role of like, as we're saying, yeah. like caretaker patient.
0: I mean, I, I think that's a perfect example. And we have examples like that all over the place in our lives, all whether there. it's with a financial advisor or, mm-hmm. it's with, you know, a medical situation, you know, a waiter, a car mechanic. My dad, you know, taught me how to get a triple A card. That's about as far as I, yeah, <laughs> I right. got. And so every time I'm in that situation, I'm immediately uncomfortable. And if you get too detail oriented in there and start, you know, trying to talk the car lingo with me, I immediately, you know, Shuts my... Up, I shut down. I'm nervous. I'm distrustful. You know, uh, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I can spend that kind of money. I'll have to get back to you. And I'm out of there. You know, I think that happens in a lot of healthcare situations, and we forget that the patient has a family and a life, and things that make them a person outside of their patient role, and the caregiver has a family and life, and things that make them a person outside of their caregiver role. And if we can connect on Mm. those things, then all of a sudden, you know, we give each other an extra smile, and we're willing to be a little bit more patient when something doesn't go exactly how it's supposed to and we're willing to respond quicker when something doesn't happen how it's supposed to and, oh my
1: god uh, you're just like such a smooth sailing sort of guy yeah like <laughs> well, i swear i was not to i know this is so bad so i take a bat but it's almost like this would happen to you because like look at your attitude with things right.
0: Well, Molly and I have said many times, I was the perfect one to get sick. And she was the perfect one to have to be the captain of the ship when I did get sick. I bring leadership qualities that were maybe meant to go through the things that I went through. And she brings me leadership qualities that were meant to keep everything together in those moments. And that's where if we allow each other to grow into what's the best of both of us, Wow, what amazing life that we can have. If she and I are looking at how we're outshone by the other in certain situations yes. and being uncomfortable with being a partner or vulnerable in those situations or feeling less because of it, our pie is going to shrink and we aren't going to have the best and highest life that we can have. And so would mm-hmm. I have wished to have Guillaume barre syndrome and the paralysis and all the things that came into our life in that way? Absolutely not. Do we have gratitude and do I feel blessed for all the things that came into my life because of it? Yes. Do I wish I could feel my feet more than I can feel right now? Yes. Am I grateful for what I can do in a half marathon that I'm planning in a couple of weeks? Yes. So, you know, it's yes and everything. Yes,
1: and you're right. Yes, and. Uh, A question I do have to ask, my mind goes here, is you spend nine months without your spouse and having like the physical touch. Suddenly you're so at a distance for something that was probably for you guys, it seems like, you know, impulsive and just natural to be touching and and kissing each other. So what did it feel like entering back into a zone that hadn't been explored for a while?
0: So, you know, something, at least me, I didn't realize, you know, and so you got to kind of set the stage of, you know, I'm on a ventilator for four months, lose 60 pounds. So 60 pounds lighter than the person you're seeing today or person who's listening, you know, from 215 pounds to 155 pounds, uh, uh, you know, not able to move at all, having to be taken care of and have been in a hospital for, you know, at the bottom of that journey into the valley of death you know, three months into that hospitalization and those having to care for you and and all that comes with it. And so what I didn't realize, you you start, you realize, but you're just happy people are willing to kind of break through that barrier is that you start to, I mean, I didn't look anything like the person you see today. I Mm -hmm. was a skeleton of myself Mm -hmm. and I can't imagine being my spouse looking at me, this person that has been her strong Active husband playing city league basketball in my early forties. Person,
1: wait, how long ago was this?
0: This was a little over two years ago. Oh,
1: that's so. It. I can't get over
0: that. uh, yep. So it was well Valentine's Day of 2019 is when I got the diagnosis. Oh, and you get to this point where that person looking at you, you know, you are a shell of yourself, and there's all these things of you know, I smelled like hospital room. I was sickness. Mm-hmm at that point and you have all of you know that thousand points of separation is happening and yet there is a Well, especially when you can't feel anything, people are, people are touching you and caring for you, but you don't have that same sense of touch. You Mm. don't have that same sense of, you know, that you can feel the energy of people in the support, but that falls away. And Mm. the person on the other side of it, you know, the separation is happening. You got to just restart. I mean, the love doesn't go away from what's between you and this other person, but it is a thousand points of reconnection on so, so many levels it was a rebirth. It was a restart. It was getting to know each other again on so many places and throwing in kids, emotional connection, boundaries of literally how the hospital separates you, even when you're, you know, husband and spouse, you just got to keep walking.
1: I can't imagine feeling safe again with someone. Being out of the hospital and it's like, oh my God, the overwhelming feeling of like almost this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I haven't been able to see for myself in so long. I mean, what you describe is everything that I saw. I had a boyfriend that was in a coma for over a month and a half and Mm -hmm. I was there every day. And what I witnessed and he was a lot angrier and more, uh, you know, volatile than how you're describing yourself. But I remember the smell and I remember the sounds and, you know, I've blocked a lot of it out. What's amazing about your story is that like, yeah, she saw all those things in you there's an awareness that she was seeing you in a way that you never thought she would have to. And in a way like maybe that it feels humiliating and he had lost all this weight too. So he was, he no longer had the body. He was like a strong guy before. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine how shameful it was. And for me, I kept showing up. So I didn't even allow maybe space for, for him to have any feelings about the fact that I was there, but afterwards, you know, he didn't want anything to do with me. And it was a so it was just a, a different thing, like how people handle kind of, I think in a sense, like really like unconditional love in a way, it showed me a side of myself that I didn't know that I had, you know, yeah. and I think that was a real indication of how I believe I would be like as a wife, you know, yeah. Yeah. and, um, but not everyone can feels ready or, or willing to receive that obviously.
0: Well, it, you know, and it, it's, uh. It's a journey. We're all on a journey. And it's a point where the journey becomes acute and you just got to walk through it. And unfortunately, we can't, like so many other things in our life, we can't control the other. We can't control that other side of things. We show up with what we got. we be the best we can be in that moment. And then we got to be willing to be vulnerable, fail, fall down, try again. You know, Molly and I, Blessed to have been on a journey together spiritually, you know, literally our life journey together uh, from careers to kids to where we've lived to, you know, uh, emotionally, psychologically, all those things, you know, been on a journey together and Mm -hmm. learn, been learning and growing uh, all along the way. And for us, we had some footing to go back to. We had something that we were striving towards that we wanted to retain as we continued to grow forward. And that's why, again, the, the doctor's sharing, I'm just glad to see that you're together. There's a reason mm-hmm. why those things happen. And it's because you are vulnerable. The cracks and the flaws are shown. Whether you like it or not, they get exposed. And then it's hard. It's hard to figure out what that next step looks like. And... I think
1: it's hard also that with my eating disorder, for example, I love to this day, you know, the boyfriend that I had, it was such an indication of this real love for me. And and we had been best friends before and I still love him. You know, yeah. we're still friends, but I had to break up with him even though I was in love with him. Because I just felt like there's something in my mind, like someone accepted me doing this to myself. Yeah. And thank God I needed someone that didn't judge me. Like I, I needed so badly what he did for me, but the fact that he was able to do That for me at that time was bad for me because I wasn't strong enough. To
0: um,
1: to stand against his acceptance.
0: Those moments are also hard, and you know that person was doing the best they could in the moment with what they had. Where they and it were, it really at, was
1: the and, best. That's the thing. That's what's so and, hard.
0: And, yeah, you were doing the same, and all you can do is take what that situation was, learn and grow from it, and keep walking forward. Same for him. And the universe is flowing forward. And most importantly, don't try to paddle back upstream. Right? Don't crash into the rocks on each side and figure out how you keep moving forward. Forward the best way that you can, and mm-hmm. I think that applies in every situation. Whether it was that for you and your relationship, or what Molly and I just recently went through, or it's your career, or whatever relationship you're working through.
1: Mm-hmm. Dude, this has been so recent for you. I can't get over it. I mean, 2019, then you come out, and the pandemic was a few months after, right?
0: Yeah. So I came back uh Halloween of 2019. So nine months, basically. Okay. As Molly shares, 37 weeks almost the exact gestation timeframe for a newborn child. Oh, and and so so she writes about that, but I was reborn into our life. Okay. <laughs> and so then we got uh what um 4 months uh, know, 5 yeah. months before the pandemic hit and a gift of time that we got with our kids mm-hmm. which was kind of crazy we had all the challenges of other parents with homeschooling and trying to work and have our careers and and all of that but also some sweet time together with us as a family totally um, i
1: mean that uh, really is a gift after you being yeah. away for so long like that
0: it, it was a gift uh, we had the gift of my guillain experience of having had our world kind of rocked and shooken and having to adjust and be flexible. And so we as a family handled that uncertainty and that change uh, mm-hmm. just as the next step, kind of the next punch to roll with, if you will. And, and it was a gift for us. You know, really our mindset and our ability to react was maybe different than others or one that we felt grateful for. Mm-hmm. Challenge for me was... I just was hungry to get out and see people hungry to restart that part of my life that was you know relationship driven connection. I work out of coffee shops a lot because I want to have that random bump into somebody. Uh...
1: I love that you just don't look at, at this from your wife though, or your kids. I mean, I think this is really big because sometimes it's like knowing that you're a relationship person, you can think, I just got to find the relationship then. And then I have this tribe of kids four kids, but like the fact that it's still important for you to find that within others and that that doesn't threaten your wife at all. Yeah. This is so big. Well what so you
0: I know you? you know I've gone back to modeling a couple times in this conversation my parents were extremely active in the community that I lived in you know they were on the boards and they were at the events and they were that example for me and and I think I have followed that or I ended up following that in many ways and that you know I think we have our immediate family right next to us but we live in community and and we mm-hmm. want wonderful communities and to have those We have to have relationships with those around us. We have to have that connection. I know it's different depending on where you live in the world and kind of some of those dynamics. Although I've kind of felt like every place turns into a small town. You know, uh, at some point we've got so many connections that we make and so many relationships that we can have and we create our own little small towns wherever we're at. And then we decide how active we are in Mm. those, those Mm. communities much we want to be a part of creating and building and growing those communities or how we participate in those True. communities and that also comes from our modeling comes from how it's like our a parent, group
1: text change, change it, yeah, how much do you give back
0: oh my yeah God, it's, so it, uh, it's exactly that <laughs> so i mean that's for me molly and i are also different in relationships kind of how we slice our pies and I have more friendships, more connections. That kind of feeds me in a yeah. different way than Molly. Molly has maybe fewer close friends that she cultivates, mm-hmm. You know, even though she likes relationships and likes people, but it's what feeds her personality as well. And, and that's been a dance for us too. I would go out and like to go out and socialize more at times and, and right. go to parties and go to events. And she would prefer to stay in or have a smaller group of people. And the dance is neither of them's wrong, and Neither of them is against the other. It just is. And so how do you be willing to give a little and support a little do at the think, same time? Do you
1: think the answer is going by yourself or do you think it still includes the other person showing up with you?
0: Probably a little bit of both. Yeah, you know, I think we all have to be willing to give in relationships and to spend time in those places with the other. Uh, but Molly talks about how when we'll go out to dinner, I'll oh, generally, yeah,
1: I love that I'll, that, that you still be talking to people.
0: Generally, you know, see people to talk to in the middle of dinner. We'll try to leave, and I'll see people I want to say hi to or want to connect with before we leave, and and that's where she talks about always seeing herself as a friendly kind of outgoing person until. You know, she married me and Mm. I I took it to another 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 level. level. You know, and I'm not doing it to be against her. I'm just it's just
1: just me. Um,
0: And so she's talked about, you know, how do we find that place where she feels okay with when we leave the dinner table, it's all right that she's like, Hey, I'm going to go get the car started. You know, you make your rounds. I'll meet you there. You know, and then she's not standing there feeling like, Oh, I'm just here with Chris, not kind of engaging in in a way because she's ready to go. (laughs) And then we have, you know, that flips, there's other situations where she and I are flipping that role. And we need to figure that out on the other side of things too. And I think we're just constantly learning about each other. It's that way whether it's in a new relationship or one that's mm-hmm. that's been for almost seventeen years, it's a constant growing together. And and mm-hmm. I think that's as much of it as anything is how do we continue to have a growth mindset together. Right. When we stop growing, that's when we fade apart. I think I wonder
1: yeah. if it's just the leader in you. I wonder if like all leadership guys are this way. That's what I just need to start dating leaders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh well uh uh I I don't know about that. I mean I uh, Cuz
1: uh, no, I mean it's just not a sort of mindset. I think it's like very coach oriented in you. You sound yeah. like John Maxwell.
0: Yeah, well uh, Not Chris I, Maxwell. I, although not related to John Maxwell, I had a a Maxwell, my father who, you know, he's just Instilled some of those things in me. He he had me have the Teddy Roosevelt quote: "The man in the arena. The credit belongs mm-hmm. to those that are willing to be in the arena. It's not mm-hmm. the critic that counts, you know. And mm-hmm. and it's those that stand back up after they're covered in blood and dust and sweat and do it again. Are those that at the end won't be those cold, timid souls.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: you know those things stick with you, and yeah. they they drive you and." I just think maybe you need to add that into your kind of initial dating questionnaires of how connected are you to Teddy Roosevelt's quotes or some of this kind of growth mindset.
1: It's about knowing yourself well enough to know that like, hey, at a certain point, if this really is something that I'm looking for, then I just have to own that and lead with that and not get lost in the other things.
0: Yeah. Across the board, working on knowing ourselves and understanding ourselves and loving ourselves And loving ourselves equally, but not more than the community and the universe around us and Mm -hmm. those that we bring into our lives and allowing that love to radiate out into others is absolutely at the core of all of that. And it's searching for somebody else that's doing the same, you know, and that's the how do you get to the bottom of that?
1: I used to be the person that wanted to inspire someone It was so ego driven to be that way. And now I'm like, no, I mean, at this point in my life, I want to believe that the person that I find has been building toward that their whole life. It was always important to them. It's not me that's inspiring this new way of thinking. It just is <laughs> yeah. I'm so over yeah. that with myself.
0: Yeah. Uh, moving from being at the center of the universe to being part of the universe and that we're meant to be in this place together as we go forward.
1: So I coined the word break upward. Yeah, break upward. I'm curious what it might mean to you.
0: A big phrase in my life, Molly's and my life together is spiraling upward Mm. and how we fall forward, how we move into that next place in our life through being willing to live being willing to Mm. to step forward and fall down and then being willing to talk about it. I think that's another big step in there. And it's first being willing to take the step out of the door and take action. Second, you know, uh, being willing to learn from it. And then third, when you fall down, you don't always fall down, but when you do fall down, being willing to stand back up and engage in the world. And then that final step, being willing to talk about it.
1: Don't be secretive about this stuff. Like you're missing the point.
0: Have struggled with that. I've never wanted to be that vulnerable. I haven't wanted to be exposed. It's the performer in me, the achiever yeah. in me, not wanting to be seen as less. And I have found and and I'm really just getting there. And, and even Guillaume Beret and the the onset of that being an experience of having to be so vulnerable and having the ego of my business, my life, what I've been to this point completely stripped away really allowed me to let go of many other insecurities to be willing to talk about my failures, to love my failures to Falling Upward is a book by Father Richard Rohr, who's another kind of mentor uh, from afar person. And he talks about first half and second half of life kind of things. And we have these moments that we step forward in the second half of life. And that second half of life is loving your scars, loving the Mm -hmm. falling down because you've gotten to get back up, loving your vulnerabilities, loving the ability to allow the universe to shape you And be who you are and allow others to be who they are and have that be something wonderful together. And if you can do that and you can flow with the river in the universe, you can spiral upward. You can, Mm. how did you say it? Break upward. Break
1: upward. upward.
0: Yeah. I I mean I think we're all breaking. And if we're willing Mm. to suffer and break, we have the opportunity to fall upward. Now. We also have the opportunity to make the choice and not go upward and to try to paddle back upstream and live in the past, live in who we were, uh, what served us in the past. Or we have the opportunity to kind of let the world shape us, let our experiences shape us and own them and be confident in what it's taught us. and. I love that break-up word was part of who you are and Mm -hmm. and what you're talking about here. And there are so many things that are heartbreaking. And yes, they're relationships. Yes, they're in dating. But they're in so many other things in life. Being afraid to be heartbroken or afraid to be vulnerable enough to be heartbroken is when you stop living already.
1: It's really how you pull back from the world. It's how you end up saying that like, wow, I've just been on the sidelines, creates real problems in life. I think it's easy, you know, it's kind of easy to say these things, but I think that like, I don't know if people really understand what it can do to a person when they start seeing that they're no longer actively participating in their life.
0: Another author, a uh, leader I'm a huge fan of is Brene Brown and her uh, gifts of imperfection and vulnerability work and shame work. And she, of course, has her books, Daring Greatly, and, and about Teddy Roosevelt's quote and standing back up in that arena and mm-hmm. being willing to fall down and struggle. And there's just so much that's in there. And it's so easy to fall back because it's hard and scary to be vulnerable But when you do, and when you, it's like anything, it's momentum. You're trying to build momentum and build strength to be able to do it again. And when you don't do it, though, you forget. Forget how good it felt on the other side. You forget how good it felt to. How good
1: you're at it. How how good you are at
0: it. Yeah. And when you do that, you're not exercising that muscle. And it's like any other muscle. That courage muscle needs to be exercised. Constantly trying to fall upward, spiral upward. And the biggest thing is. How do you continue to have the courage to, to still try at the things that scare you? And uh, I say that to my kids every time I take them to school in the morning. We ask them about what's courage and courage is being scared, but still trying. And I often find myself driving away from dropping them off, thinking about what I need to have courage <laughs> at uh. because it hits me in the face so many times of, oh yeah, I'm scared about that thing. Have courage. Keep trying. That's where the gold is. That's where the possibility is for us is continuing to just have courage and keep mm-hmm. trying.
1: Mm-hmm. Boldness, braveness. Yeah. Does anyone ever tell you that you look like uh, the virgin Say a guy? Good one.
0: Say a good one. Say a good one, please.
1: The virgin guy, uh, Richard Branson. When you, you know laugh, what? when you laugh. Uh,
0: uh, I think the first time I heard that, I've really only heard it one time, but wow. I did. The first time I heard it was, when I was sick, it was one of the, one of the, the nurses. And, you know, Richard Branson's a little bit skinnier than me. His angles mm-hmm. on his face are a little different, but the person brought the picture into me and I realized I never saw it because his shape was just a little different than me, but it's pretty similar. Yeah. Um, when you
1: smile, it's so there and you have like the energy and everything. It's so funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind his bank account.
1: Right. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> you might be headed there. You might yeah, be spiraling
0: hey, hey, upward. Hey, spiraling upward, abundance, abundance <laughs> mentality, baby.
1: Oh my God. So tell my audience where they can find you.
0: You can find me and and the work that I do, the business that I have, which really revolves around this whole mindset and belief system that I'm talking about is at Maxwell Strategies maxwellstrat.com is where you find me. You can find me at Chris Maxwell in South Dakota. There, there's very few of us, very <laughs> few us out here. Uh, pretty easy to uh, easy to find, but you can also find my story, probably the best way to find the story we're talking about today at mollywisegram.com. And uh, the other side of us, a memoir of trauma, truth and transformation. The story that my wife told about our journey through Guillain-Barre syndrome, and uh, to the valley of death and back, if you Mm -hmm. will.
1: Thank you for everything you shared. We were all over the place, but I loved it.
0: I loved it as well. And uh, I hope your listeners love Love it it just as much. Congrats
1: to you and Molly. I love that I got to meet her and I got to see her. And I thought she had just nothing that I was expecting. I got to tell you, it was just like, I mean, she's so pretty. Both of you guys are (laughs) such a couple. And she just has, she was just so special in the sense that unlike other people that come on, I really saw her like thinking through things and she looked surprised when she would say things like she was really like, she wasn't prepared in this way that like she had to be on and delivering something. And that is just so refreshing to me. She was just in the moment experiencing it.
0: You know. We've got a good friend that actually has another podcast that we were on recently. But on his podcast, he always asks people what their superpower is because that's an interview question they do in their work. Mm-hmm. And mine's positivity and kind of brainstorming and dreaming is mine. But Molly's is her authenticity and, mm-hmm. and and her poise and her precision kind of in how she does things. I think some of it goes back to kind of her dance training and, and how her parents have modeled for her. Mm-hmm. But she is just so Thoughtful about how she approaches things and a very humble beauty. I'm lucky to have such an amazing partner in this journey. I like that you respect it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I appreciate you having us both on. And this has just been wonderful chatting with you. I just feel like we had a good conversation today. So, again, I hope your listeners like it. You got who I was today.
1: We hope you like Chris. Yep. <laughs> So, I love that I got to see both of you and to hear both of your stories and hearing more about who you both individually are. How you both chose each other is really interesting to me and how you talk about relationships is similar. It's like, they might be onto something.
0: And yet we're so different. I mean, yeah, you are. the beauty of all of it is it's this dance and you're trying to find a good dance partner, not somebody who just dances like you. Mm, and and so, right. you know, and it's a process. <laughs> You got to kind of learn how to dance together too.
1: If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A at Upward B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D Dot com, and if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions you can visit my website breakupward.comslash shop where you can check out directly from my site it's a super 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 simple process of course i will answer any of your questions before you book and again you can email me at chelsea at there's many different coaching options and i would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself Thanks for listening, everyone.